love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Pardon my my appearance. I really should have showered before we podcasted, uh, but I wanted to get right to it. I was outside uh, pressure washing the side of the house, which was covered with like that dandelion fluff. Yeah, combined with cobwebs. Cobwebs, and then they hold the... It looked like the type of haunted house you probably think we live in. So I got this pressure washer, and I was washing the side of the house, and it blew all the dandelion fluff into the air, and now it's all on me and my hair. Yeah. I'm covered with um, floral bukkake. You uh, you looked like you were really enjoying it, though. <laughs> Thank you for not judging me. No, of course not. Um, real quick, want to mention that uh, Kirsten, a uh, friend of mine, tagged me in a Facebook post, uh, nine ways to stop farting naturally. Thanks <laughs> for that. Appreciate it. She sits next to you at work, doesn't yeah. she? That's a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something in, uh, I don't know, one of those um, airplane magazines, like Sky Mall kind of thing. Right, we're right. And they, they offered underpants with a charcoal filter. I saw that. Did you see that? Yes. So that it will filter out your fart so you can fart more comfortably in airplanes. I don't trust it. Thank you. You know what we did see in the Sky Mall that I still want is that uh, Yeti sculpture for the garden. Uh, it's like five feet tall yeah, and yeah. it just, you know, mid stride uh, as Yetis always are. Mm-hmm. And uh, just looked uh, gorgeous. Uh, rubbed bronze. Ooh, beautiful. Like beautiful. an oil, oil rubbed. Mm, oh, my. Mm-hmm. Real nice. That's art. <laughs> it is your turn to go first. Oh, this oh, episode. OK. I was thinking that it was your turn to go first so um i will go now right away thank no you. stalling at all okay i want to talk today about something that i discovered today shocked that i didn't know about it before but i learned of the cave of the crystals are you aware of this thing no it's also known as giant crystal cave or in spanish cueva de los cristales um it is a cave connected to the Nayaka mine in Mexico. It's at a depth of about 980 feet. 
The mine of Nayaca in the state of Chihuahua, Mexico, was opened in 1829 to mine for lead, zinc, and silver ore. And in 1910, a natural cave in the mine was discovered, uh, which was later named the Cueva de las Espadas, the Cave of the Swords. Uh, the name comes from the... It sounds like a euphemism for genitalia. It does. It yeah. sounds like a, um, like a male-heavy club. Uh, <laughs> you walk in, you're like, man, this is a Cueva de las Padas. Cause... <laughs> Poor favor. <laughs> A.K.A. Sausage Party. <laughs> um, so that's like <laughs> most corporate meetings that I've been in. Right. Uh, sure. Cave of Swords uh-huh. and Attitudes. <laughs> <clears throat> so the name derives from the three foot long blade like yeah, gypsum crystals, oh. which are completely covering the walls of the cave. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Makes me want to go with a laser pointer. Can you imagine how much fun that would be? Right. Everyone blind. All, all, all over the place. Yep. Uh, so in April of 2000, miners were excavating a new tunnel for the cave system. Uh, They were drilling through the Nyaka Fault, which they were concerned would flood the mine. So the mining complex in Nyaka, as I mentioned, uh, good for silver, zinc, lead. So they're trying to find new caverns where they can mine this. Sure. This business. They're following the vein. See, that's another euphemism that. Wow. Yeah. yeah indeed. Mind. Okay. Indeed. You could follow the vein right to the cave of swords. Sure can. Uh-huh. It's just that last uh, thing in the middle we did. Uh, you know, everything now th- reminds me of some sort of euphemism for genitalia. I know. Which now, even just the term thing in the middle makes <laughs> right. me think of. Yep. It's, uh... Yep. So anyway, it's uh, the year 2000 and they discover giant crystal cave. Now, this isn't like a code name for this place. It's right. actually called Giant Crystal Cave because it is a giant cave of crystals. The Cave of Crystals is a horseshoe-shaped cavity in limestone. So in nature, crystals, very simply, can form when liquid rock called magma cools. And if it cools slowly, then crystals might form. Uh, diamonds, rubies, emeralds can form this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when water evaporates from a very mineral-heavy mixture uh, crystals can form so about 26 million years ago an intrusion of magma pushed up the sierra of nica faults uh, which formed in the limestone plateau and water started to infiltrate into one into the the cave of crushed rocks and even today, about a mile and a half below the surface, there's an active magma chamber, which heats up the groundwater. So the 131 degree Fahrenheit water rises up, slowly dissolving the limestone, and it becomes very saturated with both limestone and calcium, also uh, sulfur. So the water's kind of cooking, cooking the minerals, uh, mixing it up nice, nice and fancy, and uh Yeah, so crystals, right, cool. Now, long-term crystal formation situation created a forest of large blade-like crystals crossing the entire length of this horseshoe-shaped cave. Wow. The cave's about 30 feet wide, about 90 feet long, and its floor is covered in crystalline, perfectly faceted blocks. The huge crystal beams jut out from both the floor and other blocks. 
The cave's largest crystal found as of July of last year is 39 feet in length. Holy crap! 13 feet in diameter, weighs about 55 tons. Holy shit, that's amazing. This whole cave is filled with that. Whoa! It is hard to see photos of it and believe that it's real. It looks like in Superman 2, when um, the... People who are all dressed in black uh, escape from that ice prison. Oh, yeah. Right. That was a good one. Anyway. (laughs) That was one of the finer installments in the Superman anthology. Uh, I remembered liking it. Anyway. Was that the one with Richard Pryor or was that Superman 3? You know, I don't know. (gasps) You know what that means. Superman Superman Marathon. Marathon. Yes. As soon as we're done with the oceans. The Ocean's 11, 12, 13, and 8 series. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, where was I? Oh, okay. I um, did want to mention, I got most of this from Forbes, Science 101, uh, National Geographic, and of course, Wikipedia. So, okay. I didn't even think that I can explain it. I'm going to show you a picture, and then, I, of course, I'll post pictures on the social meds, but I want you now to see what it is that I'm talking about so you can better understand what's happening. Prepare your brain. Okay, my brain is is officially prepared to be blown. Oh, and there's a guy in there for for perspective. Wow. Yeah, you know what it looks like? It looks like um, um, an Egyptian temple with those big obelisks, but that they've all tipped over and they're made of ice. (laughs) Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Only amazing. I guess that would be kind of amazing, too. I guess, yeah. Either one would work. Sure. Anyway. Besides meteorological and crystallographic studies, biogeochemical and microbial characterization of the gypsum giant crystals were performed. Researchers believe that the largest crystal inside the cave has been growing for over 500,000 years. Oh my God. The crystals have been growing to epic proportions thanks to a prime combination of the conditions over the past 10,000 years or so. So inside the cave, temperatures can reach up to 136 degrees Fahrenheit with 90 to 99% humidity. And it remains really steady. There's not a lot of fluctuation in there. It's a consistent, perfect environment for that to take place. Exactly. Wow. The upper cave... The cave of cutlasses, uh-huh, the, the uh-huh. sword cave, yeah. mm-hmm. the, the first one that we mentioned, mm-hmm. that has a much more fluctuating temperature. So that's why all of its crystals are much smaller. I see. Now, they're still neat. No one's going to snub the cave sword, sword cave. You should not be judged by the size of your, of your crystal. That's right. Sword. Your cutlass. Right. So a scientific team gets together and they are specializing in cave minerals, obviously, and uh, they explored the cave in detail in 2006. They're from a place called Italy. Now, to survive (laughs) and be able to work in the extreme temperature and humid conditions in this cave, they had to actually develop their own suits because you can't just go in there. You will die. They had to create these refrigerated suits and cold breathing systems because it's so humid in there, because it's so hot in there. Um, Breathing that hot, wet air 
um, it, it's no good, as they say. And so they've built these amazing refrigerated suits and they tootled on down and they're doing this exploring and they have been thrilled to find not just the details of how and when and why these crystals grew, but also bacteria and other microbes which thrived in the cave by digesting minerals like iron and magnesium that existed within the crystal formations. The discovery of these specific bacteria is thought to broaden the ranges of conditions under which we thought life was able to flourish. Ooh, I love that. Huge scientific discovery. And these organisms have been dormant but viable for significant periods of time and they can be released due to other geological processes according to nasa in 2017 there was a meeting at the american association for the advancement of science and researchers who had been involved in this cave study announced the discovery of that bacteria that was found in the inclusions embedded in some of the crystals Methods that they had to use to extract this was, it was painstaking because everything had to be sterilized. The drill bits had to be sterilized. The containers that they kept their drill bits in had to be sterilized. The things that they connected their drill bits to had to be, you know, everything, it was all... Why were they, why was sterilization so important when they're dealing with crystals? Well, they want to make sure that the things that they're pulling out... The bacteria, the microbes that they're pulling out are all genuine to this space and not things that they're bringing in or uh, I want to use the word infecting, but that's not what I mean. I mean, contaminating. Contaminating. Exactly correct. Yes. Good job. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Okay. Now, using these very sterile methods, the researchers were able to extract and reanimate these organisms. Shut up. How old were they? They were old. Like really, really like Like 500,000. Really old. Oh my God. And this is according to this research group. It has not been peer reviewed. I do have to qualify that. They are saying that they found those organisms which are not closely related to anything in the known genetic database. Aliens. (laughs) Well, it could just be that it's so old that it's been trapped for as long as it has. And because it's been crystallized, quite literally, um, it's had the opportunity to stay viable, whereas outside of that environment, it would have disintegrated. Wow. That's mind-blowing. And it also raises the question, once again, we were talking about this particular um, ethical question when it came to cloning. Should we be bringing stuff like that (laughs) into our environment that has not been in our environment for several hundred thousands of years well that's that should be a question that you explore before you're uh, getting into these situations yeah. you know anytime you're um, digging into old stuff you're gonna unearth stuff that's the, that's the nature of it mm-hmm. um, there was that episode of the X-Files you remember where they were in the forest cutting down trees and hold on it was green so the green stuff was in the trees and it kind of poof, foofed out when they cut the trees. Oh, yeah. yeah you remember yeah. the foof? The tree foof. The f- yeah. It was like botanical bukkake. Exactly. And uh, all of a sudden, something happened because of the, the tree green foof. No spoilers here. Yeah. Also, I don't remember. Me but, neither. Uh, but it was awesome. You know what that means. 
X Files marathon. Um. All right. So, uh, please, if you never do anything else that I ever ask you to, look at pictures of this crystal cave. It's amazing, and it makes me go, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. There are very few things that make cat go, ooh. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true at all. No, <laughs> like 90 things I encounter a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look Ooh. at this. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Usually when you're scrolling through the litter box of oddities uh, community page. Oh my gosh. Have. I love you people so much. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard about that, it's it's part of our social, me- our ever expanding social media empire. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And it's just for box of oddities, uh, listeners who want to share their pet photos and animal photos and animal stories and things like that. And it is really a treat. It is a it is a sanctuary from all of the rest of Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> it is wonderful. It's a place for respite with animals. Most recently, Shannon shared a photo of her ferret, and you can see she's got Stephen King. Books in the background, and oh, it made me chuckle. Yeah. Did you know he's our neighbor? Yeah, I've heard this. He's <laughs> it's been a while since people, I pulled that yeah, one out. I know. <laughs> it, and I think that uh, people think we're, you know, it's just a joke now. We, we should post a picture of ourselves walking, like by his, walking by his house. Stalking him, you mean? Well, I wouldn't say stalking. We live here. You know, we, we can just walk in front of his house, and we'll take a picture, and, and maybe we'll right. put it on. I don't think we've ever walked that far, though. I mean, it is, it is a, it's well, we, miles. We would have to drive there and then walk by it. Right. It's miles from our house. Yeah, it's not the same street, but Six, probably... Nine? No. Ten? No. Seven. Six well, or seven. Well, it's six miles to the end of... The end of the lake road? Yeah, probably nine miles. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, right. I mean, I mean, we could walk there. As Stephen Wright says, everything's in walking distance if you have the time. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. Cave of giant crystals or a giant cave of crystals. Whatever. Look it up. It's amazing. I will also post photos um, because all... It, it's amazing. Okay. Okay. It began as that stuff that didn't seem to fit anywhere else. It's become that thing in the middle. Thing in the middle, strange and unusual reasons to get a divorce. Number five in 1997. A woman living in California won $1.3 million playing the lottery, but she didn't tell her husband. Instead, she uh, filed for a divorce and hid the money. What? Yeah, thinking that, you know, she could keep it all for herself. But uh, in the in the court, when the truth came out, the judge awarded every cent of the money to her husband because she violated the state asset disclosure law. Oh, shit, girl. <laughs> you fucked that up. Big time. <laughs> Number four. In China, a woman came very suspicious of her husband's fidelity after she heard her pet parrot repeating words like divorce and <laughs> Be patient. After confronting him, he admitted to having an affair, and they split. <laughs> Be patient. Divorce. That's my parrot sound. It's okay. lovely. It's beautiful. Thank you. Number three, finding out uh, your spouse had a secret lover is, is never a good thing and often leads to divorce. Secret lover. A 99-year-old Italian man called his 70-year marriage quits. After he came across love letters his wife wrote to a secret lover in the 1940s. <gasps> oh, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. 99 years old. She begged him for forgiveness, and he said, nope, you're out. 
Well, I get that because like you ha- you weren't just lied to then. You were lied to every day since then, you yeah. know? And she kept the letters. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> you sneaky little bitch. Number two. In Japan, a woman ended her six-year marriage because her husband did not enjoy the movie Frozen. <laughs> I've not seen it, but I'm going to go ahead and say... And the number one strangest or unusual reason to get a divorce. Um, In order to please his wife in the boudoir, uh, a Russian man named Grigory Toporov had penis enhancement surgery. However, during a particularly wild bedroom romp, the extension broke off. What? Yeah. No, that's not how that works. Yeah. And uh, his wife divorced him soon after. Ooh, that brings a whole different perspective to leaving a tip. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> See, because cause, mm-hmm. cause leaving a tip, because it broke off. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, 
it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. The Box of Oddities. Celebrity voice impersonated. One dollar grilled cheese. Focus, we're back. I'm sorry. Okay. Here's an email we received at curator at theboxofoddities.com. Hey, Kat and Jethro. Hi. Um, I've recently discovered your very fabulous podcast. After mm-hmm. listening to the above episode, I had to email you both to let you know what I thought of it. Uh... Box six. Oh, box six. Okay. It says in the subject line. Firstly, oh, it's about your, the guy, the story you did about the guy who invented the saxophone. Oh, uh, Antoine. Antoine Sax. And, oh yes, also known as Adolf, because that makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. I loved that guy. Regardless. uh, She wrote, firstly, my husband is a saxophonist and I've never had any interest in A- the instrument, B, my husband playing said instrument, or C, my husband. (laughs) (laughs) After listening to the story about the uh, most clumsy and unlucky person who ever lived, Antoine Sachs, I can safely say I'll never look at a saxophone in the same way. Whereas once over, I just shake my head and put my earplugs in. Now, when I see one, I'll probably piss myself laughing. Thanks, Kat. (laughs) Oh, that delights me. Secondly... Ironic deaths. Here in the UK, we have a TV program called Horrible Histories, and within it is a section named Stupid Deaths. Now, whether it's because it's funny or because I have very warped sense of humor, this is my favorite part of the show. Imagine my delight as Jethro read out a series of incredible, hilarious deaths. Yes, human life is a beautiful thing, but stupid deaths always make me laugh. (laughs) My favorite one was a woman who died twice. Definitely a pants-pissing yarn. There's a lot of uh, soiling of your bloomers over there in the UK. Um, She said, I know I'm a newbie listener, but I wanted you guys to know that you rock, and there will always be a home for you in the northeast of England should you ever need it. Aww. How sweet. And that was signed Joanne. I cannot wait. Okay, I can't list off the places I want to go to. We don't have time time for that. We need to get into my story because this one is, uh, is something else, let me tell you. I got to swing my chair. Oh, jeez. Oh, sorry. Oh. Oh, we need new chairs. Yeah, these are more camp chairs than comfortable chairs. But we are on the lake, so. Yeah, but I think you got that at a yard sale. I just thought it looked cool. Any hoozle, I'm going to talk about a guy named Andre Bembersky. Now, he was married and had two children. Ooh, that's very exciting. Great story, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, he lived in Morocco in the early 1970s. Oh, that is actually kind of cool. And according to uh, The Guardian, his wife, Danielle, began an affair with a guy named Dieter Krombach. Now, this guy was a doctor. He worked for the German consult. When Andre moved his family back to France... This, from Morocco? From Morocco. This guy that she was having the affair with, unbeknownst to Andre... Dieter, little Dieter, showed up in the town next door by coincidence. Dieter followed her back to France? Yeah, yeah, he did. 
and they continued carrying on the, the affair. A year later, Danielle divorced Andre and married Dieter. Danielle. Okay, you following me there? I got you. Okay. Morocco, 70s. Danielle, Dieter, Dietering, getting their Dieter on. Yeah. Doing a little Dieter. Do a little dance. Make a little love. Get Dieter tonight. Oh. So the ex-partners shared custody of their two children, Kalinka and Nicholas. I the, love the name Kalinka. Isn't that a wonderful <gasps> name? Ooh. Kalinka. Kalinka, Kalinka Bembersky was was. I cannot name. get enough of all those consonants. In the summer of uh, 1982, Kalinka uh, left her dad's place to go and visit her mother and her new husband, Krombach, in Germany. Oh, so Danielle moved to Germany with Dieter? Yeah. Got it. On the evening of July 9th, 1982, Dieter Krombach insisted... Now, he was a, he was a physician, a heart surgeon, to be more, more specific. He insisted on injecting Kalinka Bembersky with an iron supplement. And he said initially it was to, to help her with her tanning. Oh my God, I know why I know these names. Later, he said it was for anemia. You're always guessing my stories before I even get to them. He puts her in a cave and keeps her, doesn't he? Mm-mm. No. Okay, different person. Yeah, that you're, you're thinking of the uh, incest dungeon guy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So Kalinka said she wasn't feeling well after the injection so he gave her a sleeping tablet on on top of that and according to Krombach Dieter Krombach he uh, he said he left the bedroom didn't come back till the next morning and that's when he went in to get her to wake her up for breakfast and he found out that she was not responding so he called medical authorities okay that's his story she was rushed to the hospital but died in a very unusual and, and, and unprecedented move, Dieter Krombach himself was in attendance at Kalinka's autopsy. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that found her. He also lives in her house. Yeah, he also injected her with something the night before. That seems sketchy. The autopsy revealed that uh, she had choked on her own vomit while mm. unconscious. That poor baby. It was also revealed that she had severe tearing in her genital area and a whitish fluid on her legs that resembled semen. There were also several, many puncture marks on her arms and her legs as if she had been injected several, uh, many, many times. Had he been drugging her and raping her? Well, no toxicology tests were conducted for some reason and the cause of death was unclear. This is 1982. Are you kidding me? No. Now, Kalinka's father, Andre, uh, he wasn't having none of this. He couldn't believe that his daughter just uh, simply died. Right. His ex-wife called him and said, hey, it was just her time. What? Yeah. He Well, thought, probably she didn't want to believe that. I mean, unless she was. I. Yeah, okay, can yeah. continue. Please continue. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andre felt very strongly that the evidence showed Dieter Karambach had assaulted. Obviously. His daughter and then killed her to prevent her from telling people what had happened. Obviously, he wanted to get to the bottom of this. Now, again, remember, this is 1982. Yeah. So he wanted to find out what happened to his daughter. He wasn't believing the official story that was right. coming out of the uh, German medical and autopsy reports. Right. How is Dieter even allowed to be a part of that? That is a great question. 
many people think that uh, it was because of his contacts with the with the consult. He had government contacts. Got it. He had people pull some strings for him. The forensic scientist assigned to the case found... Now, this was, again, when Andre pressured uh, German authorities for additional testing of the tissues. Uh, forensic scientists assigned to the case uh, determined that the story that Dieter Krombach told didn't add up. The The timeline didn't add up. If you remember, he said he gave her the injection the night before. Right. He came back. She, he tucked her into bed. And then he came back the next morning and she was unresponsive and they rushed her to uh, the hospital. Sure. What they determined was that Kalinka had fallen into anaphylactic shock, lost consciousness, and asphyxiated on her vomit almost immediately. Oh. It wasn't over a period of hours. It was almost immediately. Nevertheless, the rape assessment was not conclusive. And because of that, no charges were brought against Krombach. None. Zero. Zero. Hmm. So, Andre, he wasn't happy about that, as you can well imagine. He kept pressuring French authorities, and finally they, um, they agreed to Andre Bambersky's requests to exhume his daughter's body. And this was, according to the Guardian, three and a half years after she had... Uh, oh, geez. It took him that long. And they conducted another autopsy on their own. One of the things that they were most interested in was trying to determine more about the evidence of rape and follow up on the initial autopsy report that uh, she had vaginal tearing and, and right. things of that nature. I imagine after three years, evidence of the puncture marks aren't easy to mm. investigate. Yeah. But. Well, when they got the body back to the laboratory mm -hmm. and they started examining her, her genitalia was missing. What? Yeah. Somewhere along the line... Somebody removed her sex organs. Are you fucking kidding me? No. And s disposed of them somehow. Nobody knows what happened to them. Sounds like a bit of a, bit of a cover-up. Um, because there was no physical evidence, Andre's uh, claims that Krombach had assaulted the girl could not be proven. Yeah, I mean, why else would you remove someone's genitalia, though? If not to keep someone from being able to prove that you'd been all up in it. Let's not forget he was present at right. the autopsy. Obviously. Plus, his career with the German consult in Morocco um, led people to believe that he had contacts with uh, the government, secret intelligence agencies, or contacts within the uh, intelligence community that uh, could make these things happen. This is so fucking upsetting. So, Andre... This guy is an accountant. Mm -hmm. That's what he does for work. And he has an incredible organizational mind. He's all, he reminds me of a little bit of like, a, not, not a, a savant, but, but somebody who's just extremely proficient in numbers. Like and, Ben Affleck's character in yes, The Accountant? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's a great movie. He was extremely proficient in organizational skills. Mm -hmm in uh, number crunching and running ratios and odds and, and those sorts of things. He kept files and folders. 
And what he determined, among other things, was that Cronbach's first wife, Monica Hentz, had died suddenly at the age of 24. And Hentz's family alleged that Cronbach had abused her and made threats to kill her. In 1969, Hentz suffered from an unknown illness that caused her to become mute and blind and then completely paralyzed. So, I mean, he killed her. Well, this is what happened. Okay. Witnesses saw this. During her final hours at the hospital, Crombeck came in. You know, he's a doctor, but of Mm -hmm. course he wasn't handling the case. But he got between the doctors and his wife and he injected her with something that he claimed was, quote, snake venom. He wanted to I'm put, sorry, what? He wanted to put her out of her misery. It was a mercy killing is what he was professing it to be. She died shortly after. So he murdered her. The uh, official cause of death was... Snake venom? Cerebral hemorrhage. Crombach was never charged with any crime. What? I know. What? People saw him. He said it's snake venom. And yet he was never convicted of anything. Not even charged. I mean, get your shit together, 1982. I'm sorry, what year was this? This was before 82. Yeah, it was like... It would have been like 70-something. Get your shit together, 1970s in general. I've seen your pants. It was actually 69, but pants back then were weird, too. Whatever. Andre also discovered, because again, investigative organizational skills, that Crombach allegedly had a habit there was a rumor, it was commonly talked about, that Crombach had a habit of drugging women in his medical practice in order to assault them while they were unconscious. I'm so angry. He also allegedly drugged his wife to ensure that he could continue doing this without being caught. But in 1977, Crombach was arrested for drugging and raping a 16-year-old patient in his clinic. Since he did not have a criminal record and was otherwise a, quote, upstanding citizen, he got two years, but then the judge suspended the sentence and set him free. Oh, but he's such a good swimmer. So, Andre, he's still at it. He's not giving up. He's not just sitting around twiddling his thumbs or anybody else's thumbs, for that matter. I am so into Andre right now. Andre's a beast. So he keeps pushing the French government, and in 1995, the doctor was charged in France in absentia for Kalinka Bambersky's murder oh. and was convicted. Now, on the strength of that ruling, Andre traveled to Germany during October Oktoberfest to pass out flyers warning residents about Kronbach's actions and soliciting help to get justice for his daughter. So what do you think happens? Well, it's Oktoberfest. I... I was there, but I, I mean, I was underage, so I mean, I, I'm sure I didn't experience it in full swing. No, um, I, I mean, as far as what happens to Andre after going over there and handing out flyers trying to avenge his daughter's death. I don't know. He was arrested and charged with defamation. What? And got six months in prison or a fine of 400,000 Deutsche Marks. This was 95. So <gasps> I was in Germany that year. Were you at this Oktoberfest? Did a guy try to hand you a flyer? <laughs> I mean, a lot of guys handed me flyers. Okay, so he was arrested for defamation. Right. He got six months or a 400,000 Deutschmark fine. So there's something going on in the government. It looks like they're protecting this dude. Somebody somewhere is protecting this guy when a grieving father can't go based on a conviction given in France. For sure. and, And warn people about him. 
without getting arrested for defamation. It's not untrue. Nope. But Andre didn't give up. But Andre didn't give up. He spent hours driving around to border checkpoints in Germany mm-hmm. because he knew that Dieter couldn't leave Germany. That's They wouldn't extradite him. Okay. So he was trapped there, more or less. Uh-huh. So Andre wanted to know if he left. So he went around to all these border check stations with pictures of Andre mm-hmm. and said, please, if you see him, let me know. This is my story. So someone contacted Andre from a checkpoint. Well, it, his persistence did pay off. Krombach was recognized and arrested on an Austrian train. Yeah. In the Fuck year. Fuck you, Dieter. He was arrested in two, in the year 2000. In the year 2000. But Krombach was released after the judge ruled the French murder what trial was illegal. How? Why? The European Court of Human Rights in France declared the verdict was invalid and ordered the government to pay they, to pay Krombach $20,000. So, I'm sorry, is it France that's in cahoots with Krombach? No, it's or is Germany. It Germany. It's Germany and their ties with, uh, I guess, the European Court of Human Rights. Okay, well, this is some high-end bullshit. Not only did he get away with it again, but then the court said, you know what? In addition, you have to give this asshole $20,000. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I know it's what I've been doing nonstop for like the past. That's okay. Uh, whatever. Um, can you look look me in the face? Yeah. Like he gets fucked, right? Like this gets worked out because I can't handle this shit. My heart hurts. Let's, let's just finish the story. And okay. It's. It's fine. I love you. I love you. Thank you. So after the results of the uh, second French autopsy that revealed that um, Kalinka had died, you know, violent, brutal manner. And then her vagina had been removed. Krombach had been charged with voluntary homicide, later convicted in absentia, sentenced to 15 years in prison. However, Germany declined to arrest and relinquish him, so he remained free, and that's why he was able to continue to... Got it. So along with the consult uh, theory and connections in high government, why wouldn't they arrest him? German authorities considered the French conviction to be void for three reasons. Is it one because of the in absentia thing i know that's yeah that's kind of indirectly yeah okay go ahead one the autopsy did not conclusively prove murder two Krombach's story could have happened the way he said it did and three bambersky's mother that's the lady who left danielle uh, yeah da- danielle claimed that he was innocent oh who gives a fuck what she has to say where is her female genitalia i'm sorry they never found it, sweetie. A fucking god, god damn it. Well, fast forward another decade. It's 2009. Okay. Andre hears rumors that Krombach was planning to leave Germany and go to West Africa. Now, he knew if he got into West Africa that uh, their extradition laws were even worse than Germany. If he got in, into this area of, um, of Africa of West Africa. There'd be no monitoring There'd be, him. He'd be gone. Okay. There would be no chance to get him or, or extremely limited opportunities. And he would not be able to secure justice for his daughter. So he spread the word around town that this was, this was happening. And there was a guy, he was a Kosovar immigrant named Anton Krasnicki. 
And he came to Andre and he was sympathetic. And he said, I am going to help you. So the plan was Chris Nicky would kidnap Krombach and bring him back into France. So he did. He went to Germany. He kidnapped Krombach from his balcony and took him over the French border. He then called Andre when he got there. When Andre received the call confirming that Krombach was in France, he immediately alerted authorities. Krombach was badly beaten by the time the authorities showed up. This guy just took it out on him. Sure. But he was still alive. He was arrested and taken into custody. Now, I'm sorry. In this situation, he was arrested and taken into custody because he was he had left Germany. He was in France where he had that uh, conviction of. Okay. You know. Okay. So the conviction there. It was in absentia. Because he was in Germany and Germany wouldn't. Okay. Got right. it. So, got it. Got it. Got so it. Got it. Got it. Got it. They, got, got, they kidnapped him and brought him over the border and they, and they called the cops and had him arrested. <laughs> During Krombach's uh, trial in 2011, Kalinka's mother, Danielle, and now Krombach's ex-wife mm-hmm. uh, testified against him. She said she believed Krombach had administered sedatives to her without her knowledge or consent the night of the murder. Additionally, medical testing had revealed that the teenager had been drugged and raped. Krombach finally convicted of voluntary violence leading to unintentional death with mm. aggravated circumstances sent to prison for 15 years. 15? Yeah. Well, gosh, that's almost as many years as that little girl got to live. Isn't that nice? I'm sorry. That's sarcastic, and I'm pissed. He is uh, 76, or he was 76 at the time of arrest. He'll never get out of prison the rest of his life. You know, he somebody will kill him anyway, probably in prison. Uh, I mean... Yeah, mm, yeah. Whatever, I guess. As for Andre, he was convicted of kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, he was. And I bet sen- he doesn't mind serving that sentence at all. Well, in fact, he got one year for it. Yeah. And then the judge suspended, suspended, the, it? suspended the year. Yeah, they he sus- did. Suspended the sentence. He doesn't regret his actions at all. Of course in f- not. In fact, after the trial, he and a group of his family and friends went to the graveyard where Kalinka's remains are buried. And um, witnesses said that he knelt down and he said kalinka you see i promised you i would give you justice now you can rest in peace he's a beast 30 years what is his last name again bambersky andre bambersky okay andre bambersky is a goddamn hero 30 years he never gave up he never stopped he, he suffered being arrested. He spent all of his money just to get his little girl justice. Good for you, Andre. That makes me feel things. <laughs> and that's the story of Andre Bambersky and his 30-year quest for vigilante justice. That was an amazing story. And you told it beautifully. I was a little angry there for a bit. I'm sorry I yelled at you. No, okay. I, I was getting angry too while I was researching this. I'm going, what the? How is this guy? How does he keep getting away with this? I did shout at you. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. I understand. It was an emotional moment for both of us. But all things considered, it it ended with, I think, the best possible outcome 
that there could have been within the bounds of legal justice. Wow. Mm. I am emotionally tired right now. <laughs> I am exhausted and I need barbecue. Okay, let's go get some barbecue. The Box of Oddities live show tickets are on sale. We are going to be on the road the week of Halloween. Oh my gosh. I think I've decided we're going to dress. Oh. Are you okay like, with this? Put clothes on? No, mean? I mean, we're like, we're going to dress for Halloween. I have an idea for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have Oh, you have an idea for yeah, that? Yeah. And we'll talk about it once we wrap this up. And, okay. Yeah. Right. But it is going to be Halloween week, so we should do something. It's, we're going to be in Boston on Sunday the 27th, in Charlotte on Tuesday the 29th, in Nashville on Wednesday the 30th. I can't yeah. wait to see you guys there. I'm so excited. We did our first show in February. And honestly, getting to meet you was just so overwhelmingly amazing. And I cannot wait to see you. I'm just, I am equal parts nerve wracked and uh, anxious and also just so excited. You can get your tickets to any of those shows at theboxofoddities.com. There are still a few VIPs left at all three venues, but I understand they're, they're dwindling rapidly. Hope to see you there. And we hope to see you on Monday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.